Happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. How's the world treating you today, Mr. Patterson? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it's at the almost done with May, ready for June for the official start of summer, and I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready too. I'm excited for this. I'm embracing it. It feels like new birth after COVID, um, and it's. I think it's that time. You're listening to the podcast on Set Jetter Saturdays with. Your host, Clark the Shark, and Robert Patterson, a.k.a. The Set Jetter. Visit him online at set-jetter.com. And we want to just thank you for being with the show, because our motto here has always been, the podcastle, hey, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Which that sounds apparently, vague, vaguely familiar. This is a real thing. I, I, I thought this was a joke, but Robert, can you shed light on this phenomenon? Yeah, I think the, the, tag, the, the, the state tagline, I think it's, is, honestly, it's not for everyone. If I'm getting it right, so, and yeah, it sounds like a big joke. And uh, for Nebraska, I think, yes, I think Stephen Colbert might have ran something about it too at one point. I can't remember, but yeah, that's and uh, the, the thing is, honestly, it's probably the truest tagline uh, for a state really? ever. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. So, uh, and of course, you know, uh, it's a conservative state, so. Uh, we, you know, we're the first to say uh, it's not for every, you know, it's it's not for uh, non-white, poor people, uh, all sorts of, you know, <laughs> the state is, Nebraska is not the state for you to live in. <laughs> it is not the state for you to live in. Yeah. I just it, think it's so funny that the, the actual state slogan is, hey, you know, it's not Nebraska, it's not for everyone. It's um, ridiculous, yeah. And I thought that was a joke, and then I asked you before the show, expecting you to be like, what? What is that? And you're like, no, no, it's real. And then I was reading, I had to, of course, read up on it, and apparently that boosted uh, tourism, um, <laughs> like, by Did a it? lot that year. Yeah, like, that, like the Tourism Bureau. Like, well, yeah. I would take that with a big pinch of salt, because it could have been, you know, we, we, we host the uh, the College World Series, and we host uh, the Olympic swim trials and stuff like that, so it probably has nothing to do with the, the tagline, but... <laughs> And you know what? I, the odd chamber tagline is "We don't coast." Wait, what, whose tagline is that? The Greater Omaha Chamber. We don't coast. Yeah, as in the coast. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Can you I, I like I it live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> California's chamber tagline is "We coast by." You know, we we do enough, and then we don't really work as hard because it's kind of lazy out here. That's how that works. You know, you do drive through L.A. Any even. Uh, obviously pre-pandemic and you do wonder if anybody actually does work there <laughs> uh, i do i still do and you know it, what I, it, it's so funny you said that when i first moved out here i was like driving to work or i was at work and i had to do something during the day and it was tuesday afternoon it's like my first month and it was not a holiday just a tuesday afternoon two o'clock and it was on the freeway and it's seven lanes like bumper to bumper in each direction i was like who works out here where are you going it where what are you doing it 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, but then I realized I was part of the problem. I was like, well, yeah. I'm in traffic, so I'm part of the issue. Absolutely. Uh, when my friend Mike came out here a long time ago, maybe like 2013, um, we went to Barney's where you and I went. And it was, uh, it was a weekday. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and it was packed. Obviously, pre-pandemic, this is like eight years ago. And he goes, does anybody work here? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently not. But then again, there we are. We're sitting there. As well, yeah, so... Well, we got a great show tonight. We're gonna have to. We're gonna talk about the we're entering a new decade, 1990. Uh, the top ten films of 1990, and do they still hold up? 
Uh, but before we get into that, you know what I watched last night? I watched two movies, Robert, that I've okay. never seen before. One I've seen before. But I want to ask you if you've seen them and your thoughts. Uh, have you seen 61? Billy Crystal, 61? No. Okay. I have not. Um, it's a, it's a, just a movie about Roger Maris. The, it's okay. the Yan- New York Yankees, 61, which I don't, you know, I don't particularly care about. But it was a, it was a good film. But, uh, and the other one was, was The King's Speech. I was just like, I haven't seen this since I saw it in the theater. I'll watch it again. But 61 has this great scene. Um, it's not giving anything away. It's it's a very it's a well shot movie. It's historically accurate, and they do for the times taking place in the you know uh, early sixties. They have like the right period clothing and music, mm-hmm. but there's one scene that sticks out like the worst sore thumb in any movie, and it Barry Pepper plays Roger Maris, the baseball player, and there's one scene. I don't know if they were trying to be artistic or if it was like an actor's retrospect at the time. But there's Barry Pepper laying on, sitting on the bed with his muscles out because, you know, he's, he's jacked up, smoking a cigarette, and it's like a bluish tint. And the music they're playing is like, I think it's a Jackson Brown song from like the <laughs> 80s. And I'm like, is, and, and I, I, I was like, is this still the right movie I'm watching? And I had to like click pause, yeah. and I was like, what is this? And then after the scene, they go back to like, hey, Dal, we're getting ready for the game tonight, you know, and let's go Yankees. And I was like, what was that? And I, I had to ask you if you saw it because it's almost like they just stuck a deleted scene from another movie, from a music and, video, yeah. and threw it in there. I wonder it if It looks like some... it used to be my playground. I know you're a Madonna fan. That video with the tint and oh, like yeah. the, the playground, it looked like something out of that. They kind of overwashed... Uh... <laughs> Uh, filter where you can't even see any wrinkles. <laughs> I, I think if you ever watch that movie, you'll. Uh, All right, I felt I would just yeah. I feel like it's I on HBO Max. Yeah, that's what but, it's on. And usually, I'm 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 always one to say there'll be something in a movie or a book, and it'll be like then. And I, I actually I think it was Stephen King's It, and there was mm. a Back to the Future or something or whatever. And I remember like, nope, it didn't come out until two months after. I mean, I was <laughs> I. I, I like yeah. I like when they do that, and or it's funny when they do that. But that's I don't know. I it's always bothered me when a a, a movie that's like a period piece movie they use they use like contemporary music because they never age well. Um, you know, like when they did Gatsby, they put in like Jay Z. Like that's that <laughs> that was five years ago. That didn't age well. Uh, yes, they should always keep things in a good the period when they when they put movies in the period that it was. You know, if they go back even if it's like ten years or whatever. It ages better for that yeah. reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They they um, keep it period music or a, or a score. Yeah. And the sixty one yeah. had a score and it was beautiful. It was a nice score. And then all of a sudden, this like the, this Jackson Brown song came in and it was just it was really bizarre. But anyway, um, uh, I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, I have no take on that. that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of good stuff happening though. Well, first of all, what are you watching? Are you done with Clarice? Is that um, that put to you bed? know, we were actually it was, we were flipping around last night, and we're like, "Is Clarice new?" And it was a repeat. So Clarice <laughs> is still chugging along. I don't think it starts back up again for a couple weeks or or something. But yeah, we will finish that out. And I think I saw it got renewed for two, season two. So how these yeah, things happen? Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. It's it's kind of like Arliss on HBO. How did how did that happen? That I think it was on for twenty five seasons. I don't know. But 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. But oh, we will we will continue watching it because now, <clears throat> now we just have to. It's it's like the stand, you know. Yeah, once you're committed, you're committed. You're you're yeah, completist. Absolutely. I did watch uh, the Friends reunion or whatever they're calling it on HBO Max. Yeah. Just just to see. You know, I wasn't Yeah. I wasn't staying up to midnight or whatever to, to say, Oh, I need to see this. But I thought, oh yeah, you know, I grew up in that uh or I was in my twenties in that era, so I'll watch it. But and it was yeah. decent enough. There was a couple couple faces I didn't recognize that they've kind of morphed over the years. <laughs> but, Everyone but Lisa Kudrow looks older. But yeah, and she looks I mean I I she, from what I can tell, she didn't do anything, or maybe you know, if she did anything, it was minor. But, um, but yeah, so there was a couple of people. I'm like, ooh, they're just kind of caricatures of themselves a little. Yeah, bit. like Courtney Cox, <laughs> she looks like something out of yeah. Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I, it, I, I watched it too. It was it was decent enough. I I do like that. I I did imagine them all walking in the apartment, going, oh wow, wow, like they do in every like reunion. Show. Oh wow, I haven't. Wow, it's like okay, all right. It's it is what it is, you know. I, it, I I don't regret that hour and a half of watching it, but uh, no, 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 it, it was fine enough. Yeah, was the premise of uh, I, I might have missed this, but did they come off like they haven't seen each other since the end of the show? Is yeah, that... All six haven't been together in a number of years at the same time. Right. So okay. The, the others they get together quite often if you see their Instagrams and. Like Stuff Courtney like Cox that. and Jennifer Aniston like hang out a lot. Yeah, yeah. But like as a group, as a collective group it, since the show. No. I, I was waiting for somebody to slip up for it to be like, yeah, everybody but uh, Lisa has been together. You know? <laughs> we, we all get together except with Lisa, except for Lisa doesn't. So, How many Percocets was Matthew Perry on during this? Uh, he looked like quite a bit. I was, he was really kind of out there. About him. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. He, he might just be struggling or maybe I'm just an asshole, but he looked he he didn't look well yeah so uh, i i agree and i obviously he has some uh, health issues and but uh but yeah that's why i have not put a public comment about <laughs> well you have to stay neutral for a lot of that right if you're the set jetter well yeah so and you know i well, i posted myself I, I i was at the friends fountain when it was still at the hollywood ranch i mean uh warner brothers ranch so i took my picture like every I if like you were lucky picture. enough to get over there, yeah. The Central Park. I heard they moved the fountain to Warner Brothers Studios, but I think they kind of broke it or something as they were trying to put it back together, so it's kind of oh, a, no. a modified... <laughs> I, I wonder if there's one guy responsible for that, like, hey, did you bring the fountain, Barry? You know, it was broken when I picked it up. No, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do you break a fountain? I guess it's not that hard. I get well. I thought it was it's probably kind of a semi-permanent fixture at the ranch, from what I know. Um, so yeah. it probably wasn't that easy to move. And I think it was kind of the outer thing. I think I've seen pictures. I'm like, I think it looks a little bit smaller, but um, but it will get more joy from people at the at the studios where people can visit it. I think that's where it belongs. Yeah. Uh, that or a Planet Hollywood in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> we pieces the fountain. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember? Planet Hollywood used to be like a big thing when it first came out. It was like a star-studded thing. Oh yeah. And then it turned into like, like a uh, macaroni grill or something over the years. And I do wonder for the ones that have closed, what happened to those props? Does somebody have them somewhere? You know, 
There's a couple I, I would like, yeah. I would wonder, I'm very curious about that, because they declare bankruptcy like three times or twice or whatever. Those props have to go somewhere. I hope they're not just like in a basement somewhere. Yeah, or got shoveled out with uh, everything else. I don't know. I'd be curious. Because they had good ones, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the, like, it was like the Hard Rock Cafe for movies. You go there and, you know, yeah. you go to Hard Rock. You're like, oh, it's Hendrix's guitar. And I'm in, you know, the Cayman Islands. Like, how did I get here? <laughs> um, before we get into the, the movie, did you see the movies of 1990 and do they still hold up? Did you see the new teaser for Karate Kid for Cobra Kai? Oh, of course I did. I think we all knew that was coming. Um, but Silver. It just gets me excited that this is going to be a true Karate Kid 3 I guess, what do we call it? It's not an homage, because obviously it's storyline, I guess we'll say. They have to bring back Sean Kanan, though, for this. I Do you know? Do you have any inside scoop? I, don't I, know. I haven't asked him, but I did share. Um, I asked him once before the teaser, and he goes, we're in talks, is all he said. And he wouldn't come out and just tell me, I don't think. Yeah. But I think he would if I like asked him, but I don't really want to like know. Spoil the surprise for everybody Yeah. Else, so. So, but I, I shared on my Instagram, like, hey, he's coming back. We just need Sean Kane. And then he shared that. And then he shared, like, a lot of that stuff. Because I mentioned before, he's, like, the best actor for fans. Like, he lives up. Like, he loves the fans. He shares, like, everything that you do. So he was sharing, like, con- like tons of these uh, these things. And I'm like, I, I feel like if he wasn't going to be in it, he wouldn't be so, like, adamant about sharing this. So I, yeah. I, my prediction today is that he will be in it. And I have no knowledge of that. All right. And I hope they bring Robin Lively back. So she still looks pretty good. Yeah, the pottery girl across the street. So <laughs> who makes the best macaroni and cheese? Don't you, don't you think you either love Karate Kid or you've never seen it? Like, have you ever met anyone that's like, I hate it or it's okay? The Karate Kid, any of it, or just the third one? Like or... the franchise as a whole. We'll oh. we'll even stick with the first film, the third one, yeah. obviously. Uh, you know, there's probably people that just kind of uh, they're you know, like it was too, you know. When things become too popular, then you, people don't like it. Mm. Kind of like me and Top Gun. But uh, <laughs> we're still waiting on Maverick. <laughs> That's right. It's waiting for the right time. But uh, but yeah, I still have so many good memories about the Credit Kid Part Three. That you do. Yeah. So and tonight's it. What's that? I think we. I think we should do a, a location visit when I'm back to just a Credit Kid Three day. Yeah, yeah, we we should ask Sean. We should do a whole thing and make it like an event with like yes. we know we'll film it like a documentary. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. And then we'll sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> what I want to do is create um, crappy merchandise with his likeness, likeliness on it. So he's like, "You can't do that, Matt. It's illegal." And I was like, "Too bad. I'll be at the farmers market." <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. If you're listening, Sean, we love you. Uh, tonight's episode is going to feature. Do they still hold up? Highest grossing films of 1990 via Box Office Mojo. First on the list is Ghost. I don't know if you want to start off, Robert, but uh, I am equipped to answer this question, so I'll take your lead. All right. So I uh, I haven't watched it in a while. I've, I've seen clips of it, of course, you know, and I think I always I tune into the or I happen to turn the channel, and it's where uh, he first dies, and and his ghost is kind of there. So um, uh, I. I remember I really liked the movie at the time. So, of course, I saw it live in the theater. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I was cool. still at that age. Um, but I remember I remember the review. It got good reviews at the time as well. And I remember they said it was it was a romantic love story with Star Wars-style special effects. Um, now, those effects probably have not uh, held up as well. But at the time, it was kind of a big deal. They had good, they had good special effects. 
I, I, I agree. Um, special effects leave a little bit desired, but if you enjoyed the movie uh, upon its release, you will enjoy it now. It still holds up for me. Um, and plus, it's got dreamy Patrick Swayze. And Mr. Tony Goldwyn from Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason. Yes, Mr. Tony Goldwyn. <laughs> Uh, next, number two is Pretty Woman. Richard Gere and um, Julia Roberts, their most iconic roles, arguably. Mm. It doesn't hold up for me. Right. And did. I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> it, it hasn't aged well uh, at all with the not only the scenario, but it's very um, it's just very cheesy. It's just a, I don't know. It, in, it insists upon itself. Yeah, I did not see this one in the theater, and I've, I th- I, obviously, I've seen this. I think at some point, but um, y- yeah, it's not a not one of those. It's not in the Blu-ray collection. Let's say that it sucks. All right, I'm just gonna <laughs> say it. Pretty Woman sucks. You're better off watching Runaway Bride. Uh, oof, oof. Ooh. I don't know. Uh, next on the list, uh, I'm gonna discuss <laughs> this with Robert. He has done some locations. You wouldn't watch Runaway Bride. I I never sell Runaway Bride. Oh, oh so. I'm thinking of my best friend's wedding. Oh, okay. I that's a whole another story. I think that that's probably in the top ten. So we we'll discuss that later. Okay. Next on the list uh, is a timeless classic. It holds up for me. Home Alone. And I remember seeing this. We're see we're entering the decade where I saw these in the theaters because mm. I was. I remember seeing this. Um, this film. You know the first. Uh, oh, it wasn't opening night. It was opening week. And um, everybody in the theater was just laughing so hard. Um, you know, it's it's not as funny, really, um, to to be like bawling, uh, belly aching, <laughs> laughing. But but to see that reaction at the time was so like it was so cool because it was packed, and I was like, people really are coming to see this beast. Yeah, and I watch it every year. And this is uh, Home Alone. It holds up for me. What about you, Robert? Um, I was kind of given orders not to diss this movie by someone. So really. I'll just say this movie is not in my Blu-ray collection. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I, was, I also saw this in the theater, and I remember people belly-aching, laughing, and I kind of remember looking around uh, saying, are we watching the same movie? But Are we watching but... the same <laughs> See, I always wanted to take a darker side, because Joe Pesci was coming right off of Goodfellas, and he's a very yeah. violent actor. So I just wanted to see him like pull out a gun and be like, you little fuck, and shoot some of <laughs> the movies over after five minutes. I'm sure there's been a re-edit. You know, I did see uh, uh, was it Robot Chicken? I think did a, a smash up of uh, where Joe Pesci and uh, what's his name they they get the wrong house. They end up going to Laurie Strode's house in Halloween 2018. <laughs> no, somebody did that. Yeah, I think I think it was Robot Chicken. I can't remember, but oh, yeah. I so I that. I have been to the house. Obviously, this was before they put up the big uh, fences and stuff like that, so you could get a pretty clear shot. They put the fences up for that reason alone. Uh, I don't know if it's new owners or, or what, or or people. I can't imagine people were running up to the stairs, and it's not as easy. You know, it's it's semi far outside of Chicago, so it's you know people obviously make a pilgrimage to to visit this house, but I don't think they go crazy like they do in L.A. No, it's a beautiful home. When were you here, Robert? Because you don't age, uh, so I don't know. How, I don't have a reference. <laughs> it was a Madonna tour of probably twenty twelve or. Whenever, actually, whenever that blog is written, it might that might have been um, the date I've been. So it'd be either 2012 or 2015. That's how you gauge your years. It's not like <laughs> oh, it was 92. You're like it was the Madonna tour. That was either MDNA or M- Rebel Heart. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, we mentioned this used to be my playground. Um, 
Does that song still hold up, Robert? Uh, you know, that wasn't one of my my favorites, uh, but I do remember seeing the League of Their Own in the theater, and oh. obviously that was the big. Uh, and you know that th- those are the roles that are were perfect for Madonna. You know, kind of semi playing herself, and she's kind yeah. of the side character, and uh, she's supposed to be kind of out there. And but, Dick yeah. Tracy, Breathless all the Mahoney. way. May. I think we'll be talking about Dick Tracy later. So, I think so. Uh, next on the list is. T- <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I, I see. I like this movie. It does not hold up, but I I, I enjoy it. it. I don't know if that's that's allowable because I'm a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, and I saw this in the theater as a kid, and I enjoyed it. But I I rewatched it a few times in the last maybe five years, and it's uh, it does not hold up. But I will just say this, Robert, very quickly. Yeah. It is the best entry in the first three. That That's saying something, isn't it? Well, it's dark. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they got a lot of complaints yeah. from the parents that, like, because they said, damn. Oh. So there's like, that's why the second one, there's very less violence. They're like jumping around like, you got it, dude. Well, the first one was like a dark movie. But no, it's it's very, um, it's a, I mean, it's Corey Feldman playing Donatello. And I did not see it, so I was not a kid then. I was a smarmy college-age <laughs> kid. You didn't see it? No, no. I was all into the Smiths, and yeah, I wouldn't be watching stuff like that. The Smiths? <laughs> the band? Oh, yeah. Oh, I like the Smiths. Uh, Morrissey. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I was all into... Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little the bit. More, the we... more you ignore Robert, the closer he gets, is what he's trying to say. <laughs> Uh, so, but you didn't see this. You didn't. See I didn't even see this, so I have no comment. I'm sure it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number uh, five on the list is Hunt for Red October. Tom Clancy, and this is this is Russian Sean Connery uh, as a Russian admiral from from Aberdeen, Scotland. Did he even change his accent for this movie? I don't think he. Did. I can't remember. Okay, it, it here's how they they got away with it. The first like twenty minutes of the movies. It's completely in Russian with Connery speaking Russian and and, and uh, Sam Neill speaking Russian. Then as they're talking, Sam Neill and Sean Connery, and their their accents are good, and the language is real. They pan into the hands, and then they pan away. And when they pan away, they're speaking English. And gotcha. they, so that was the – I give them credit for not just doing you know their normal accents the whole thing. They did it like a reveal, but if you can get past that. I feel um, like another movie did that too. Movie. Star Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country pulled that trick too. Oh, really? Yeah. With what? Was, la- with like, Kling, uh, Klingon. Like, I, I think it was Klingon. Yeah, it was Klingon. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Hunt for Red October? Uh, yeah, but it's been a long while. Um, I remember at the time it it was kind of heralded as kind of the action movie. Um, and was Alec Baldwin in that one too? If I remember, he was a yeah. young, dreamy Alec Baldwin. He was. He played Jack. He played. Um, is that his name? Yeah, Jack. Uh, who's in Harrison Ford took over then in Patriot Games or is that the same? I think it was yeah, the same yeah, character. Yeah, same character. Yeah. Jack. Uh, and John Krasinski took it over later. But, but yeah. So obviously Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah, Jack Ryan. Yep. It's too simple That's of a name, but James Earl Jones is in there too. But yeah, not in the Blu-ray collection. So no. Yeah. See, this is a movie. That was really big at the time. I remember, like, my parents and neighbor parents were like, "Oh, it's Hunt for Red October." It was like this: Dances with Wolves, and yeah. oh, why isn't Dances with Wolves in this list? 
Uh, is that that was a different year? I think you're you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it still holds up for me. It's still an enjoyable yeah. uh, film. Next is the woman with three breasts. <laughs> Total Recall. So this one does still hold up for me. I remember that at the time this was a big event movie. Uh, Arnold, Arnold was getting to be kind oh. of at the top of his game. And uh, who do we have? Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, and it was kind of supposed to be obviously a big special effects kind of driven. So uh, I remember the big hype for this. And, and it pretty much it fulfilled that hype. You know, it was on big screen action. I agree. And com- compared to the the dud of a remake, uh, mm, Colin Farrell's finest role, <laughs> you can see it, it still stands out. And I think they made it to a TV series, or they tried to do that at some point too. But or maybe some spinoff movies. I can't remember. But Total Recall still holds up for me. It's still an enjoyable film. Who directed that, by the way? Um, the guy that directed Elm Street Four. Okay. No, I'm I'm sorry. I I was I was moving on to Die Hard too. Uh, now I don't know. Uh, Paul Verhoeven directed. Ooh, good, good memory. Yeah. Um, next it took up a while is... to, get, to get. No, to but me. you, you good. You, yeah. you find those files quickly, and you're. I didn't look it up yet. What? I, I, I didn't. I didn't look it up. It finally, it actually naturally came to me. So. No, I know. I mean, in your head, yeah. you pull those yeah, yeah. files out. Yeah. Like very, I'm impressed. Uh, Die Hard Two is number seven. Robert, I, I'm ashamed to say I've never seen this movie. Die Harder. Ugh. I did see this movie. So, and actually, this movie is it. It is Die Harder, isn't it? It is Die Harder. Yeah. Um, uh, I like this. I'm a. I have a huge fear of that of flying, and so anything with uh, planes and stuff like that, I'm always kind of keyed into. Um, and I like this one. I thought, and they got Bonnie Bedelia back. Um, Dwight, what's his name? Dwight. Dwight directed it from Elm Street Four. Say Dwight Little, but that's not right. Um, I can't remember who which one is Elm Street for. Rennie Harland, I'm sorry, I was thinking Halloween Four. Rennie Harland, Elm Street Four is the dream master. So this mm-hmm. was his follow up, I think. That Elm Street Four did so well that he got to direct this huge budget uh, Die Hard sequel, and I thought he did a pretty good job. So Die Hard Two still holds up for you, is what you're trying to say? It does. If I, I'm flipping, I will stop and watch it and uh, kind of see what scene it's on. But it has some. I, I did like it. Takes the kind of typical sequel route where it kind of uh, kind of doubles down on certain things, and it didn't get into ridiculous. Well, I guess I take that back. It begins to get into ridiculous territory, uh, where he's kind of a Superman, and and he can anybody else they would be in the hospital for six weeks for one of the one of his falls but, uh in this one he every, everything's fine does it bleed into last action hero territory it's just a flesh uh, wound just just about just about but um i still like this one side question for you robert how come you're not an actor i, I could see or a filmmaker i could see you being a very good filmmaker and actor i uh i kind of i, I aspire, you like working I, yeah, my undergrad degree was in journalism, so I was going to do broadcast journalism, and I still kind of like to do that. Um, obviously, if I do videos and stuff for for Blu-rays, I kind of stretch that muscle of editing and directing. You do. And stuff like that, but you're a very talented man. You're a very say. guy. Uh, number eight is Driving Miss Daisy. This is Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy. Um, I saw this recently. There's some references that don't hold up, but uh, overall, it's a good film. I like it. Um, Hold on. I think I saw this. 
I think this is the one I saw on my birthday for some reason with my aunt that was in town. So oh. um, I saw this in the theater, believe it or not. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you, you can't go wrong with actress like Jessica Tandy. And, um, yeah, there's some... Um, period stuff that you just kind of forgive because that's the way it is and uh it wasn't quite a white savior movie like that we that we have now so um mm -hmm. i think it still holds up not in the blu-ray collection but but it's still a valid film yeah. um dick tracy this is uh warren Beatty. this is a really a amazing cast warren Beatty, al pacino james Kahn, uh a bevy of other great actors um, it's, it's and Madonna, and Madonna. <laughs> Madonna plays the lustrous, breathless Mahoney, the cocktail singer uh, at the Club Ritz, owned by Lips Manless, played by Paul Servino. I'm split down the middle with this movie. It gets worse the more you watch it later in life, but it's still a fun movie, and it always will be. The characters are so colorful. It's a comic strip movie. Danny Elfman does a great score in it. Um, it 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 still holds up. If if you liked it, then you'll love it now. Well, you may or may not believe this, but uh, I've only seen the movie once, and I didn't even see it for the first time until about four years ago. Really? Yeah. I I love Madonna enough, I know, to avoid her movies. <laughs> so <laughs> That makes sense. And it's also not a movie that is, like, screened a lot. You don't see it, like, playing a lot on TV. Yeah. I don't think um, I ever have. You, you have know, to, like, find it. And it might have been a different experience for me, because I thought it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. And I, and I kind of... Now I think we look at him like, oh, he was really kind of going for a, a very obviously artistic comic book choice of really making it truly comic, uh, the colors and the streets and 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 stuff like that. So I think at the time people didn't quite get it was getting it was like too goofy. Post Batman, I was like, this isn't a dark movie, and people weren't having it. Now That's I a think really we're good kind assessment. Of a little bit more uh, forgiving. So I thought, oh, it, it, so it was better than than I thought it was going to be. That's a very good assessment too. It was post Batman. And Warren Beatty, he still owns the right to Dick, rights to Dick Tracy, so he has a stipulation where he has to appear as Dick Tracy every five years, and and he does that by like doing like a five minute video or something. Oh really? But yeah, he's been people have been trying to get the rights back. Disney's been trying to get the rights back, and he still owns the rights of um, I think it was Elliot, no, uh, whatever whatever the the creator of Dick Tracy was back in like the thirties. Mm. Still owns those rights, and he bought them in the eighties. Um, so. Speaking that's of, why you don't see any Dick Tracy reboots okay. ever. Now I did rewatch this week uh, Madonna's Truth or Dare, so oh. it was the 30th anniversary. Would that be right? Yeah, 30th anniversary uh, of the movie, and of course she was dating Warren at the time, and it was right after or right before Dick Tracy came out. So obviously a lot of the songs that she had from her soundtrack. So uh, oh yeah, so at that was a pretty. I think I put it on my Facebook. It was it was kind of a game changer movie for me, so I was not a Madonna fan before. I I had her like albums when I was growing up, you know, like a Virgin and everything. But um, yeah, and I was like, actually, somebody offered me a free ticket and free ride to the Blonde Ambition tour, and I was like, eh, no, I don't really care for her. Yeah. Oh no. And then I I saw True or Dare. I'm like, oh, this is. This is what people see in her, and and it is interesting too. I've not watched it all the way through until until this past week in a long time, but uh, I kind of do feel like she kind of set the reality stage of uh, uh, everything on camera, and 
Mm, that's this, a good point. This is life, and and Warren has a great line. Says, "Why, why would you say anything on camera? Why, you know, not on not on camera? Why, why would you exist if it's not on camera?" And he wasn't that, having it. No, and you know, but, you know what they reminded me of as a couple was when Marilyn Monroe married um, Joe DiMaggio, because uh, he was like a conservative baseball player that you know was just like why would you do this and let's be let's not talk to the camera and this this should be private in this is our life yeah. and she was like you know let's do the seven year itch yeah. um <laughs> which uh yeah it, so it, it kind of reminds me of that um but yeah dick tracy dick tracy still uh still holds up for me and it's interesting because uh when you mentioned post batman um it is like if that if dick tracy came out today without any constraints it would be like a billion dollar movie like a comic book movie i feel like it was a little bit of ahead of its time and warren Beatty want, wanted to make it a very gritty movie and it is gritty like a cop gets shot in the back of the head like mm-hmm. early on like for kids it, it i'm surprised it was rated that but he wanted to make it like a like scarface violent yeah. and disney was like we can't do do it that way um so i think if they like rebooted that or made it today they could actually do a lot with that mm-hmm. with the you know the technology it would look good <laughs> it still would have to be warren Beatty. <laughs> you you could ever if listeners and Robert if you ever YouTube Warren Beatty Dick Tracy you'll see the you know legal performances he has to do and it's right. just like okay. yeah it's it's I'll funny t- I'll take a look he ages well um, and finally the uh, number ten on the top ten grossing films is the Western Back to the Future <laughs> Part Three <laughs> it's either a Western or space just do one or the other you know and. I was gonna. I actually did some homework because this is streaming on Netflix, and I thought, okay, I've never. This movie has not caught a, a cut with me. Let me let me give it a try. And I gave it a good twenty minutes at least. <laughs> a generous was, helping. Well, the the jokes are bad. The there's just a lot of more <laughs> contrivances than the other. You know what I mean? And just yeah. what was not hitting for me at all. And I was just like, to me, it felt like somebody else wrote it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? Yeah, the the materials it's contrived. They they recycle a lot to a shameless point, and I I feel like rather than write new material or a different kind of storyline, they just like yeah, let's throw it back in the wild west. And yeah, yeah I, I I do try to watch this movie like every few years and appreciate it, and I'm like yeah, I'm just gonna watch the second one. And am I the only one that's worried about? So Leah Thompson also plays his great 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 grandmother. And he is playing his great, 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 you know, like, and I'm like, um, Leah Thompson, her, she should have came from a different family, you know, like, <laughs> not the McFlies. It's something, I don't know. Yeah, how does that work? I'm really, I was really worried about the, the Hill Valley gene pool because I'm like, something's not, you know. <laughs> there might have been some double dipping going on. <laughs> this is why Marty had so many issues. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. No. Even though I do technically have it in my Blu-ray collection, you, you have, have no, the box you have, set. You have no choice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the weakest link. Um, so those are the top ten highest-grossing films. Other honorable mentions on this list in this year are *Presumed Innocent*, which I did a little bit of a rewatch not too long ago because it was on, and Bonnie Bedelia is one of my favorite actresses, and she was in. She played John McClane's wife in the Die Hard movies, and Harrison Ford is oh, yeah. in this. Yeah, and so there's kind of I couldn't quite remember everything. I remember the I remember the big reveal at the end. Uh, I really liked, and so I I kind of actually had to watch it through. But hey, Ralph Julia's in this movie too. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but the ending. 
I, I'm, I haven't seen this in a long time. I feel like I don't want to spoil it, even though we're, t- we're talking about 1990 film. <laughs> <laughs> don't spoil it. Um, but uh, it was interesting because now uh, uh, it, it semi-holds up, just like any movies of kind of that era do. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's worth a um, Sunday night watch if you have nothing better to do. Good point. Uh, born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise made Top Gun so he could make movies like this. This was his first, like, artsy, deep, in-depth role of something gritty. And this is Oliver Stone, born on the 4th of July. Um, saw it all, not too long ago. I've seen it many times. It still holds up for me. Absolutely. And I always, obviously, I say I'm not a Tom Cruise fan, and I then I see stuff like this, and then I'm like, well, I am a Tom Cruise fan. But I do right. remember... Remember, I remember one of the first shots they could do a flash or early on, and he's supposed to be like a 16, 17-year-old in high school, and he looks like a 16, 17. I mean, like, well, how'd they do that? Obviously, this is pre-de-aging CGI, but um, but he looked... He uh, does. From 16 to 46 or however old, you know, his age span, that they did a good job. And this is probably Oliver Stone at his best. Yeah, he had like a Leonardo DiCaprio thing going then, where he could play like a role within 40 years of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, remember Catch Me If You Can? He was playing like a 16-year-old. Yeah. And then he got older. Um, definitely still holds up for me. Ooh, this is a good one. <laughs> War of the Roses. You know, I was just thinking about this earlier because there's some TV show series on, I think it's Netflix, and uh, uh, they're both in it. And because obviously this is... Uh, the Kaminsky uh, Report. Yeah. Have you watched it? I have not. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we had Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, and then it kind of, they kept kind of getting back together. They had, obviously, they had the chemistry. So um, I do have this on Laserdisc, Ooh. the special edition. So uh, I did like it. I like Danny DeVito as a director. Um, he's one of those that uh, he, he puts his directorial stamp on. He does fun segues and transition shots that I really like. So um, so there's pieces of the movie I really like, but when you actually try to sit down and watch it all the way through, it becomes it's not as enjoyable as it used to be. It's one of those movies that has better memories of certain scenes. Yeah. Did Danny DeVito direct Hoffa? Um, he might have. I don't know. I think so. I do like him as a director, too. Yeah. Uh, next up on Do They Still Hold Up is Robocop, <laughs> Robocop 2. <laughs> Uh, so you know, I'm a I'm a completist, and and when I was in Houston, um, I thought okay, I was like, oh, what was filmed here? Yeah, some other stuff, and so I did, I did Robocop two locations, and now this should have been a better film than it was based. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, this is the director Irvin Kershner, so yeah. who directed Empire Strikes Back. So I was like, oh, bring the guy that did Star Wars two. You know, that you can't go wrong. But they kind of missed out on a lot of. They they just kind of began begin. Uh, to have gotten things wrong and they didn't quite get the sarcastic humor of, of, of RoboCop and kind of what it meant. But uh, and, like, and the, like the child too. That that those kind of plot lines for me don't really hold up. Yeah, isn't RoboCop two the one with the kid? Uh, I think uh, I can't remember. That might be three. No, maybe it is two. He's at least flying. He's like yeah, the rocketeer. Yeah. yeah, so I think two is the one with. Um, uh, I can't, I can't remember the actor's Apparently name. It was, doesn't hold up for either. It does not hold up. So, but as you can see, I was, I was very forthright and and did all the locations. <laughs> yeah, this was also in Dallas. This was Houston, Houston. So I don't know why they switched to uh, Houston for for Detroit, but 
Um, but you know, they had they brought Dan or Herlihy and uh, uh, as kind of the main guy for this one. So it, it it had on paper it should have been better than it was, but but no. Yeah, it fell flat. Those nineteen ninety four Tauruses yeah. don't really age well. Nobody's dying to put on RoboCop too. Next is. No, no, they're not. Oh, this is such a fun movie. Gremlins 2, The New Badge. This, I, is, this holds up for me. I love yes. this movie. I do, too. Uh, I vividly remember we went to a sneak preview of this, and we got free T-shirts. And, uh, <laughs> and my friend that was with me, she was like, before and after the movie, she's like, why did you bring me to this? And I thought it was great. Um, now, I, I need to rewatch it because, obviously, Clamp Tower... And Mr. Clamp was certainly modeled after a certain someone that became president. So <laughs> was he really? Is that what Clamp's angle was? Uh, oh yeah, and I can't remember his girlfriend's name was uh, even. I think yeah, the, it was it was uh, like Marla. Yeah, yeah, which is one of. I never put that together because Clamp, oh. I always felt like was likable. Like he was he was crazy. And yeah, kind of like oh, I like that. That's good. Let's have a meeting. That's good. We didn't realize how. Um, likable that the real mr clamp would be but um mm. and there and there's things that just became true i mean at the time it's kind of a novelty because they had like a channel just for golf and a channel just for food and it was like that's crazy and now yeah there you go this is this is our life so and, and another reason i feel like it holds up and it's a fun movie is they it makes fun of itself and it does a lot of like spoof mm. and parody stuff it's uh <laughs> it knows it's ridiculous and it owns it you know <laughs> And we're Phoebe. So, and the, when Gremlins came out, uh, the Phoebe Kate scene got a lot of um, is this the Lincoln's birthday? Yeah, and so that's why I love how they just embraced it in the sequel. And she turns. She goes, oh, "That reminds birthday. me." Yeah. <laughs> he had a tall hat. I remember cackling in the theater because I got the joke, you know. Yeah, yeah. And of course. Then, um, but yeah, it, it's so, so it's a good funny. one. It still holds up for me. You saw this in the theater. I did. In the theater preview, I wanted to see it first before anybody else did. I think it was. Where did you and, see that? Uh, Not here. Uh, no, no, it was. It was in. So they used to have like sneak previews for movies, like a week before or something like that. And usually you would stay for the next movie too. Like a, you'd have a sneak preview for Gremlins mm. two, and you stick around for a movie that's been out for a few weeks. And then oh, that's a that's a good system. Stuff, so yeah, and I always wanted to see things first. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Gremlins two still holds up for the both of us. Yes. Next is, oh, this is a funny movie, Postcards from the Edge. Yeah. This is, uh, Robert, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the movie where it's like, uh, it, she's talking about a dress right in the clay, and it's like, and then you lifted your dress up. It flew up. It twirled up. It twirled up. That is this the is line. Street. Yeah. So oh. I do think, uh, so I, w- I was a big fan of Carrie Fisher's book, and yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. sense of humor didn't quite transition and i i do rarely do you say this but i think meryl streak was probably miscast that she wasn't she didn't kind of have the kind of acidic wit uh needed for i could see that i i get what you're saying yeah but i'm not, I'm not sure who would be besides carrie you know i'm sure there's kind of the right person yeah. out there but but you and Shirley MacLaine, you can't you know you can't go wrong with her she was she was the perfect mom who was probably uh, a not so thinly veiled Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, good call. Very, very well said. Yeah. Uh, so, here's some shots of the location, Robert. This is you at home in Holmby Hills. Um, this is the neighborhood that Michael Jackson died in. 
Is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, very interesting. These are yeah. great shots. Uh, yeah, what, what is your? Did you watch this movie? Like, have you seen this when it first came out and rewatched it, or like, how does this rate in your? Yeah. World? So I came. I, I wanted to see this when it first came out, uh, and I remember I was in college, and because uh, I read the book, and I was kind of want to see what, kind of what they did with it, and uh, um, but yeah. So I remember kind of I was like, oh, this kind of felt a a tamed tamed version of of what the, what the book was and stuff like that they and obviously she had a drug problem and and so forth but you know they kind of glaze over that a little bit but but love behind the scenes stuff there's and you're looking at old warner brothers when they still had the western set uh which was torn down oh these are great shots uh when were you out here on this uh for this shoot um, these pictures. Kind of for the Western shot, I think that was in 2001, and I think uh, the next year or so they tore it down and they kind of made the new New England Street uh, is kind of what they replaced with that. So I felt lucky I could kind of go there because that, that Western Street was also used for uh, National Lampoon's vacation and some stuff like that. You got some great shots. Great, great work. Uh, next on the list is Predator 2. This is the sequel. Um Set here in Los Angeles. Yes, in the future year of 1995 or whatever. I can't. Remember. It, that, that was one where they went yeah. up a couple yeah. years. Like, <laughs> right. didn't go too far in the future, but a couple years ahead. So I'm, I'm not sure. But and actually, that was probably about right because I think Angeles it was was on fire quite a bit back then. Yeah, it was like this: Demolition Man and um, Escape from L.A. They all just jumped like <laughs> seven years where L.A. is like burning in hell, and you're yeah. like, oh, good. We're on the right path. And we're definitely in an era where the movie didn't do too well theatrically, but people yeah. found it on video. Um, and so I think uh, this this one actually does have a certain amount of uh, fan appreciation for it because it. I do like they flipped it. You know, let's put it in the, the urban jungle instead of the real jungle. Um, it was supposed to be New York originally, but it was too expensive to shoot there. And so all roads lead to L.A. Yeah, we, we actually spoke about that one of the first shows you were on. It was like, I think, of these anniversary. Uh, but I did find this movie originally on video, and I still enjoy it. I'll still yep. watch it. Good. Uh, next is the only, I believe, the only horror film to win an Academy Award for Best Actress, Misery. Depends if what you consider horror sounds <laughs> lambs. That's true. If it if it becomes if it becomes award winning, it becomes a thriller. They stop referring to it as a horror movie. So that's true, isn't it? This is a thriller. <laughs> well, uh, misery, <laughs> misery definitely is the only Stephen King movie to win an Oscar, right? Um. Well, I don't know. There were there was a lot of nominations. I mean, obviously, Sissy Spacek and uh Yeah, that one. Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie were both nominated for uh, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress for Carrie. So, but th this movie does still hold up based mostly on Kathy Bates' performance. Um, Definitely. The, there's the other parts that are kind of, now you look at it as like, whoo, that is a, a set. You know, you can't even pretend that they're in a real house. <laughs> <laughs> like when the sheriff comes in kind of thing? Yeah, the kind of two-dimensional uh, backgrounds out the windows and uh yeah. Yeah, but Yeah, the but, set design was left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, but it it still holds up based on that performance alone. Agreed. Yeah, it's still a, still a great um performance to watch. Uh Pacific Heights. <laughs> um what is this gem, Robert? I don't think uh, I've seen this. So, yo, you have not seen this? I don't think so. I think this was uh uh 
Michael Keaton's follow up to Batman. Um, so, and I oh, is this about the new couple that moves in and he's like a yes. crazy guy. Yeah. And he kind of ends up getting in there and they can't get him out. And these yeah, are the movies I, that put knots in my stomach because I'm like, Oh, this could happen. You know, like <laughs> I, I put myself in their place and I was yeah. like, Oh, we have to get him out of that house. So, yes. It's creepy. Uh, yeah, and so it's it still bugs me. Um, I mean, I, I, when I rewatched it to go visit the locations, I remember uh, I was like, "Oh, I just have knots in my stomach." But um, so yeah, so I went to visit uh, on one of my San Francisco trips to this. I remember being in the street taking this picture, and a, a car stopped me. What are you taking a picture of? I said, "Specific Heights," and I'm like, I thought that was the house, and then they drove. Oh, off. really? Yeah. So. Oh, uh, that's so fun. And it's not in the Pacific Heights area. It's a completely different area of San. Francisco. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't ask me why. It's just that's you know that's kind of the way things work. Yeah, of like, course. Like Lakeview Terrace is not shot in Lakeview Terrace. No, it's somewhere no. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever's available that you can pass for yeah. that's cheapest, do it. Yep. Um, Child's Play Two. This is another one that Robert has filmed. Uh, I've seen this movie. Um, I don't think it holds up particularly. It did not. I remember I saw this like at the 99 cent theater. So uh, college, I just couldn't afford just to go see first run <laughs> movies all the time. And so I, maybe that's why I went to sneak previews too, because I think they were free. So that was kind of Ooh, a, a kind of bonus. A so, bonus. Um, so yeah, so obviously uh, Child's Play did okay in the theater and then it was really found on video. And so by the time this one came out, this is where Chucky started really getting his one-liners and uh Chucky's back and stuff like that, but I yeah, did. This is when it became more comical. I mean, it, it was always kind of yeah, cheek, but it was yeah. more like yeah. But I did bring him for you today. Since <gasps> what we have a special treat, ladies we and do gentlemen, have a special treat. Oh my gosh, Here he looks so is. real. <laughs> Look at those piercing blues. So yeah, usually, I mean, I had to buy the full. Well, yeah. When but, if you're gonna yeah. do it, do it right. Yeah. So. That is so cool, Robert. Does it say good guys on his? Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty authentic, and I think it's oh, based a off, real, child, uh... off a child's play, too, you know? Oh, my gosh. Is that think... Did you get that recently, or have you had that? I've had it for a couple of years. I can't remember. I think it was Trick or Treat Studios did that, so I, wow. had, to, I had to have it. So I always like this style of Chucky, not the messed up one, or the, they, you know, the Chuckies that have, like, the evil grimace and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. no, I want the scary, this is That's the, scary the scariest one that you yeah. have right there. Yeah. The evil grimace and everything is just implied. Okay, I get it, but yeah. that is like, yeah. Do you ever get? Do you get a lot of mileage out of Chucky? Do you take him places? I, I have not. To. I've not taken him anywhere, but he's the one that gets all the notice when workers come to do something, or they they just see the Chucky doll box too, and they're like, oh yeah, how can you sleep with that? You know. Do you ever leave him out, and then when the workers go out to have lunch, you move him a little bit? I and- have not. See, I, I would have. That would be dangerous for me to own. I'd be like, I'll be gone for a few hours, and I would just hide and keep moving him. But I will tell you this: uh, at my previous house, I had him up on the fireplace mantle, and uh, it, I, 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 I was yeah, it was only for a couple of weeks, I, and I heard this crashing or whatever, and he was like on the floor, and I was like, "How did this happen?" No, the yeah. doll moved by itself. It something happened. Oh, I'd have to yeah. burn it. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't do it, Robert. Uh, I'm, just blo- okay. I'm just looking up a location. 2225 Doris Place in LA. I'm trying to figure out where this is. Uh, that school has been used quite a bit. It was used in 
Is it Cooties and RoboCop and mm. the Jamie Lee Curtis Freaky Friday? You see it in all these commercials. Um, it's kind of the traditional looking school on a nice tree lined street. So that's why it's often used. That's very cool. Yeah. You're a great location, man. Um, I don't think I've seen this one, Exorcist <sighs> 3. There is your homework right there. Is it really? Oh, uh, yeah. This is probably one of my favorite sequels. Really? Yeah, for sure. So um, so I assume you saw The Exorcist. Of course. And then, oh, there's St. Elmo's right behind him. So they, they went back and shot at some of the same locations as the first Exorcist uh, in Georgetown. And uh, But yeah, so this is actually one of my... I know these steps. Yeah, steps very well. They're, they bring in The Exorcist theme a few times. and um, But yeah, this is well worth a watch. Is this one of Robert's great movies in your great movie collection? It is. I would say, I'm not sure where I could put it in my top whatever movies, but and it has one of the best startle scares ever uh, that's been kind of well documented. But I, I would tell you not to look it up, but I would tell you just to watch the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. I'd rather watch the movie and be scared. Yeah. So, so Exorcist 3 is homework. It is, for sure. I think you'll like it. You know what movie we never brought up? Maybe it didn't make any top 10, but... Uh, Prince Prince of Darkness. Did we ever talk about that? I don't know if we did. Um, so that is also one of my favorite movies. So that was '87. I think, he, yeah. Um, that didn't break I, the top ten. <laughs> I don't. It must not have. I don't. Did we talk about it? I don't. I don't no, know. no, we didn't. I wish we did because yeah. I, I like that movie a lot. That's a truly scary movie, and I'd be uh, curious at what you thought. I yeah, I love Prince of Darkness. So and actually, I've visited all locations, and then. Um, uh, I went to a screening of the of the movie at the church uh, that Sean Clark put on uh, what? about. I think it was twenty. I think it was twenty fifteen. So, yeah, the, the tickets just went just like oh, that. And I remember I was actually with Sean in Toronto, and I was like, "Oh, I wish I could go," you know. And he's like, "Well, I'll get you in," you know. So, <laughs> wow, um, super nice of him. And so, um, in um, in the actual church from the yeah, movie yeah so if you're watching it in the movie so you know a lot where they had it set up kind of in the open area with computers and stuff that's where we sat and watched the movie and is that uh, in like skid row it's not like in a bad area uh and it's no it's uh it's now kind of an art community center so it's it's if oh, you go okay, blocks yeah it's not uh, it's nice of neighborhood but um yeah uh, uh, john carpenter's wife was there and um uh, one of the actors was there as well. So, and they had a special green punch. I remember. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, so that movie's uh, so scary. Yeah, so th they they did it. They did they did a great job with that screening. But, um, but yeah, so I went to a kind of a lot of uh, locations for that, and uh, up in the uh, uh, where, where's Bob Hope buried? It's one of the missions. So whatever whatever the mission was, um, I don't know if it was a San Fernando mission, but that was also played the Alamo in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's all shot there. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's a good film. So Exorcist 3 holds up for you, and you recommend this. I definitely recommend it. I'm glad, I like when you recommend films I haven't seen. I know yes. it's, it's going to be a nice treat. Uh, next is Men Don't Leave. Probably uh, I don't know if I know this one. So this was one of my favorite. I actually have this on DVD and Laserdisc, so I need to kind of rewatch it. So uh, Jessica Lange, Kathy Bates has a small role. Chris O'Donnell, is that the... It looks that, like it, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so this is kind of one of my favorite dramatic movies. Um, but I need to revisit it before I can 
get it. Uh, it's my DVD collection. I'll tell you that. It is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then there's some hope for people <laughs> that haven't seen it. If Robert owns some sort of print of it. it it's it's going to be good. <laughs> then it's going. There's something to it. Leatherface, Texas Chains Massacre Three. I've seen this one. It definitely yeah. does not hold up. <laughs> it does not. This has one of the greatest trailers, though. That has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, where <laughs> I, I don't know if you're familiar with the trailer. It. Oh, it was really? kind of like this very serious, and and you see a kind of a silhouette. Uh, this guy, big guy, holding hand with his back turned, but he's looking at the lake or whatever. And then out of the lake, like uh, Excalibur, uh, instead of a sword coming through the water, it's this big chainsaw. No. And then he turns around as Leatherface. You're uh, kidding. Oh, no, no. You, oh, my gosh. You will have to look up Leatherface, the trailer. Trailer's much better than the actual movie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I watch this movie again. I've watched all of them again at one point in my life if it's if I'm, like, bored and they're on. But actually, that's not true. I won't watch the one with Matthew McConaughey <laughs> ever again. And I yeah. own that on DVD. And this is one, I don't know how many times we have to keep reinventing. The, mm. Texas 2 was at least a semi-sequel. They kept most of the continuity. 3 is kind of a tangent of like, it's not quite the same family. Uh, even the stretch kind of appears uh, in a walk-on role, uh, kind of walking through the shot, pretending to be a reporter. So there could be some continuity there. But yeah, for some reason, this this franchise continually just stops and reinvents itself every time and it's always usually for the worst absolutely i don't think there's a a franchise that uses the same story of a car breaking (laughs) down or getting lost and they stumble upon a house it's never the the set the sequel the second one at least with the radio station and there's like a little more humor it was like a it was a fun ride but for real i mean all the texas chainsaw massacres i don't know how many there are i think there's maybe like 10 now there it's always the same the same story it is. It's like Poison in the 80s. <laughs> Brett Michaels re- they playing the same doing. song. Uh, um, you like Poison? No. Not, okay. not my cup of tea. Oh, I thought you sighed like you were a fan and I no, was offended. No, I was a different type of sigh. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. This is the original adaptation of the book that the uh, popular show on Hulu is based off of. Um, haven't seen this. I heard it was better than the show. It was darker. Which I don't know um, how you can do. No, and I need to re rewatch this. I saw this when it came out and I kinda liked, you know, kind of its look at the dystopian future. So but I would recommend that people give it a look because obviously it has some I mean it is the same characters. You know, you still have Aunt Lydia, uh the main characters. I think it's a different name, but um but there's some of the same beats that it takes. But I think do you own this in the in a DVD or Blu-ray collection? I don't. The Blu-ray is hard to find. It I is, would think so. Yeah, I would think the DVD yeah. would be hard to find. Yeah, it's expensive and kind of hard to find. So, and I I kind of feel like Hulu is probably holding on to it. They don't want anybody to to see it. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to that Hulu. Cover it up. <laughs> uh, does it hold up for you? I don't. I didn't know if you. Uh, it does, but I do want to. I want to rewatch it though. So I, I I might have have kind of my current series kind of tinted glasses when I'm thinking back about it. Because it had like Faye Dunaway and Victoria Tennant, mm. and yeah, it was interesting Dark. cast. Yeah. Next is House Party. <laughs> uh, what is House Party? You, you oh, this House is Kid and Play. This is Kid and Play. So I, really... what, <laughs> I haven't seen House Party, but I've seen Class Act like fifty times. <laughs> I just watched that like two weeks ago. Nice. So 
I don't. I have not seen House Party. I don't think I did. So this this was definitely a ninety nine cent theater movie uh, that we went to go see, and uh, yeah. actually really enjoyed the movie more than I I thought I would because I I couldn't know what I was kind of getting myself into, but enough that I remember actually the Smiths were on. We got back in my car, and I'm like, oh, this doesn't fit with my my house party. Oh, vibe. you ignore <laughs> me. Closer again. Um. I used to play the Smiths at bars a lot. I just that was like my go-to, in like my early twenties. Yeah, I just it was just go-to music. You can't couldn't go. It was like that or Queen. You just couldn't go wrong. <laughs> um, uh, Kid and Play. I I watched House Party or um, Class Act not song go, and it's the a lot of it's dated, but it still holds up. It's still a funny, like the humor. You know, it's still funny. They have a good chemistry. Yeah, they certainly did. Slumber Party Massacre three, three. Is next. Oof. You actually covered this. I did. Um, I, like, you, you know, I'm a completist, and I think somebody at one point said, where's the part three house? And I think, I don't think I found it. I think somebody had to find it for me, and I think it was in Glendale, so it wasn't too far. You know, you know my rule about all roads lead to Burbank, and so, uh, of course, it was kind of, kind of, of right outside there, so, but, and, um, but yeah, so this does not hold up uh, as well. I, I'm a big fan of the first Slumber Party Massacre, um, but it doesn't go to outrageous, um, as outrageous as Slumber Party Massacre 2 with the drill, uh, the guitar drill and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it has some Marta Kober from Friday the 13th Part 2 is in this and as the pizza girl. Who from Friday the 13th Part 2? Uh, Marta Kober. So she was the one that got skewered with her boyfriend in the bed. Oh yeah, she's yeah. in this. Yeah, she's. In I haven't bar- seen this. Barely movie. recognizable and just kind of a kind of walk on part. So, so Roger Corman Studios were uh, right outside of Venice. So this is where this was shot. It is now, of course, all condos. They tore it down, um, but mm-hmm. they are obviously they are notoriously cheap <laughs> on their films and and reuse stuff and just film on the fly. Whatever it takes. Yep. That's my kind of filmmaking, guerrilla style. Just yep. do it. Uh, did you see this in the theater? I did not. I don't know if it actually came in the theater. It might have been a direct-to-video. Mm. But, Valid assessment. Yeah, and there's the lovely house. The uh, the, the uh, owner, I remember, was home when I went to take... I, I said, can I take pictures on your porch? Because I wanted you know, to get all the shots. And like, I guess. And then he, he said something. He's like, will you send me a copy? And I'm like, I'll see what Ooh. I can do. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't. But. No, you're not going to track down that weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I have his address, so I could just send it. But I was like, no, you can find a copy yourself. But but that goes yeah. back, you know, where people like they have no send idea. Send me a that copy. Their house has been used in a, in a movie. Yeah. It's funny though, some of the interesting things that come out of people's mouths while you're trying to do your craft. I was trying to film movie location sets the other week, and I went up to somebody's house. I go, can I take pictures of your house? You know, and they go, why? I go, well, I take pictures of movie sets. They go, this isn't a movie. I said, no, I just want to take pictures. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> exactly what happened. Uh, uh, next on the list. Um, I, by the way, when you return to Los Angeles, I hope we can mm-hmm. do a lot more set jetting than last yeah. time. I I will be there next month. Dark Man is next on the list. Dark Man is Alec Baldwin. Uh, Liam Neeson. Mm, I don't know Dark Man. What is oh, this? Yeah. This is Sam Raimi's one of his. Kind of post- oh yeah, I've seen films. Dark Man. This is a good uh, Fran- play. Francis McDormand. Yeah. Her early role. So, um, and there's the lovely Angeles Rosedale Cemetery. Um, so this this was better at the time. It has not held up as well, mostly kind of due to the effects. 
No? Yeah. I saw it in my younger years, and I liked it. Yeah. It, it still it has some fun moments, um, and it's obviously all about all around L.A. and to kind of the best spots, but um, but yeah, not, not quite as... Uh, has not held up as as well, and the sequels kind of have kind of dampened it a little bit. It has not aged like a fine Cabernet, only because of the effects. I think I think the story is still good. But. Something to be said about that. Um, are the effects practical, or were they? Uh, no, he uh, Sam was kind of really into like, and he had some great ideas that just did not quite. So like, there was this uh, Francis McDormand sees the. Uh, the her uh, the lab blow up and whatever and they kind of close on her and then as she goes down she morphs into herself at the funeral and oh. it's just kind of clunky early you know early cgi mm. uh morphine things that just it's obviously she's not at the cemetery she's in front of a green screen and then the next shot she is out there you know the film just looks different and and stuff they like didn't that. match up the lighting with the... it's they did the best they could at the time so yeah um Next on the list is The Grifters, uh, 1990. Robert, I don't know if I know this film. So, Stephen Freer's film with uh, Angelica Houston, um, John Cusack, Annette Bening. Um, so, uh, huh. this is it's kind of, it's a kind of fun little... Um, I don't know if I could, We're kind of verging now to begin to have some more independent films. This isn't necessarily independent, but uh, kind of that style. So, um, I think this... Uh, this is still worth a, a Saturday afternoon watch if you have not seen it. Oh yeah, no, these are cool. These are great shots, by by the way. Thank you, um, but definitely LA friendly as well. I and, love LA um, centric films from '80s, mid '90s, just to see how things changed or look. Like I just watched Colors the other night, mm. um, and you can see like a, you know a lot, most of it's changed, but some of it you're like, oh yeah, look how it used to look then. <laughs> it was so different. But um, and and the things that look the same, except for like a landmark or mm-hmm. a home, it's not because it worked at the time. It's because LA is too broke to upgrade serious <laughs> infrastructure. So you're like, look, those grates are still the same. Hey, nothing will change. We still have this this mark on the wall because nobody's cleaned it. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, you're coming out because I do that. Yeah, they, they, it does share this hospital mm. has been used in so many films. Um, but it was also for the Halloween six reshoots they shot inside of there. Oh, that's this so was cool. Smith's Grove inside. Oh, very interesting. This is but, in Bellevue Avenue. But yeah, worth worth a watch. Worth a watch. Uh, next is Bonfire <laughs> of the Vanities. What the hell is this movie, Robert? This was based on a best selling book, with, uh, and they made it to a movie with Melanie Griffith and Tom Hanks and um uh uh, Bruce Willis, and it's usually kind of considered the biggest bomb. It was considered the biggest failure of that year. It was a super expensive movie, and it just failed miserably. And so, I would say I'm not surprised that you have not heard of it. But I even have a book on on how badly this movie <laughs> did. They actually made a book. Somebody about actually it. made a book yeah. about how terrible it is. Yeah. Um, so Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah. Who ever thought a title like that would fly? It's it worked for um, the book, I guess. But Maybe it did. Yeah. So I think it was Brian De Palma. So uh, as you know, he kind of overdirects a little bit. So uh, yeah, it just this was this whole movie didn't work. And I think this is where I think Bruce Willis was probably having more issues. You know, he was 
thinking pretty highly of, of himself on the set. I think he was. Yeah. Um, that will conclude honorable mentions. Uh, but before we get into Can't Look Away, which mine I'm going to add right now is arachnophobia. Mm. Or Dick Tracy, of course. Um, Dances with Wolves and Goodfellas were both 1990, but maybe they came out later in the year. Maybe. I d- didn't show up on the top tens, but maybe I wasn't... Uh... Maybe we'll, I didn't we'll, do a we'll, good we'll job. We'll add dances next time. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that was a Christmas release. Gotcha. But because um, box well, office mojo doesn't lie. Goodfellas, we could just talk about it now. That does still hold up. So I do wonder. Yeah, maybe it was a December release, and so it made all its money in '91. I don't know. I think you're right. Um, yeah, dances. Uh, dances. Well, dances with wolves and Goodfellas. They're both. Um, look at my top ten. I Goodfellas. It's it's like top five. We could do a whole Goodfellas episode, or and we just we could do the TV version where we keep bleeping ourselves out or replacing with different words. I can't remember what I was watching the other day, and they drinks were in the house. Uh, they uh, they were saying the F word. Obviously, in the real movie, they were saying the F word, but they replaced it with something else, and I can't remember what the word was. Well, slap you. Well, I'll slap love- you up, and I'm like, what are they talking? about? I like forget you when he's he's cursing. He's like, well, forget you, man. Forget you. Forget <laughs> you. Okay, okay. Forget me. Uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, your honorable, um, not honorable, but the can't look away is is what Robert? Shock to the system with mm. Michael Caine. It might be another movie you never heard of. I think it's streaming somewhere, so it would be an interesting uh, uh, movie to maybe watch. It, uh, like I said, it's not that good. But I can't help but keep watching it. I do like uh, that you you do have a vast collection of movies that aren't that good, but you still watch it. You know, <laughs> you're not a you're not a movie snob. You know what's good. You know what's bad. You know what you like. But then you know what's like fun, and yeah. you appreciate. But, Such as uh, King Kong Lives. Well, hey, hey. There's nothing better than King Kong Lives. Uh, right, what's your thoughts on arachnophobia? Um, I didn't really care for it at the time. No. I was, yeah, I was like a little too uh, smart. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say smart, but Grown yeah, up? Uh, too much on the nose. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. I just, I didn't, I didn't care for it. But yeah, it's yeah. obviously yours. Well, I just think it's it's John Goodman as like an exterminator, and he's like the hero. Like that's the bar that was set that's for this movie. Bar. It's not a good movie by any means, but yeah. It starts off like, uh, you know, innocent. We're in the jungle. Oh, all of a sudden there's a spider. And all of a sudden they're back at this town. Who's going to save the day? The government? Aerosol planes? <laughs> Pesticide? No. No, 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 no. John Goodman is fresh off Roseanne. We got him for like 20 minutes. <laughs> he's, he's coming on the set because they're filming Roseanne. Arachnophobia, ladies and gentlemen. And the movie did that, well. It did well. I think. I mean, for what it was, but. It's better than Cocoon 2, all right? <laughs> you know, I forgot there was a Cocoon 2. But Did Courtney Cox did. come back for that one? I can't Ooh, remember. I don't remember. She was probably, no, probably not. She was probably had moved on. I think point. she probably moved on. But you know who did come back for Cocoon 2? The old people who <laughs> abandoned everyone to live forever selfishly. They decided to come back to Earth after they went to the other planet. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. What was the reason behind that? It's the same it thing. Is. Come back down. And get more people and go back up. It's it's the same thing. 
oh, I wish now I would have made Cocoon 2 in a different way where they, they think they're leaving and they just move over to the next Florida town or like, wait a minute. <laughs> We're going to Citrus this, Grove. This it, isn't what we Because the whole beauty of Cocoon was they're leaving for a better eternal life, which is yeah. kind of selfish, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so they can never come back. What happens two years later? They can come back. So why not go up there, get a little longevity in your body, yeah. come back down and visit and go back up? Or they could have done like a kind of back to the future where they were gone a year, but they come back to Earth and like 12, 10, 12 years has passed or, you know, something. Oh, yeah. Or Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. that That's probably what they should have done. Or, yeah, they should have actually just crossed paths with the Navigator. Like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> acknowledge. Or maybe they should go back to the past too and they encounter their younger selves and have to do I think all the back to the future problems that they had. And then Cocoon 3, they could go to Western Dimes. <laughs> Western Dimes. <laughs> because uh, Wilford Brimley would fit me as a sheriff kind of guy. Oh, yeah. 1880s Dodge City. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what era, when, when Wilford bumps into his younger self, he looks exactly the same. It's the exact same. When, yeah. when Nobody nursing can tell. home Wilford bumps into college-bound Wilford, they don't know who's who because yeah. it's the same man. He's going to do a mix-up. And yeah, one will have the college sweater on, and that's how you know this is, <laughs> this is the younger one. <laughs> you have the letter jacket. Oh, uh, why didn't somebody I, I w- do that? <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah, we'll get to a segment at another show at some point of why did it have to be made or why was this made? <laughs> Cocoon too. Um, I, I wanted to ask you. I watched S- Summer Rental with John Candy the other night. Have you ever uh, seen that? Um, I have. I remember the poster more than anything. Him on the beach holding all the stuff. The the poster is the best part of the whole movie. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fun movie. I'm very biased, but it's really vacation. It's like vacation. It's basically him taking the family on a wacky trip. And he gets sunburned. And um, it's it's a fun movie for me. But uh, the whole thing is he kind of gets sunburned. So he learns to sail boats. And then he races uh, in a regatta at the end. Yeah. But they almost filmed it backwards. Because the it, I never picked this up before. I've only seen the movie a handful of times. But you know this guy he's like arguing with in town. He decides to challenge him to this race but before this he's been doing this weird boat you know learning from rip torn it would have made more sense for him to challenge and go i don't know how to sail can you help me and then rip torn starts training him instead they're training for no reason the movie then that happens and then he goes tells his family i guess we got to do this and then they all start like building this boat like it's it's very I think they actually filmed out of sequence and edited it out of sequence. Edited, but. Or they lost some script pages and they're like, it'll be fine. That's Just what happened. <laughs> the George the George Lucas way, it's fine, keep going. Like, it's fine, keep going. <laughs> or they ran out of money like Children of the Corn and went, Just put the credits up here. We're done. <laughs> yeah, let's write the credits for start running mid sentence. <laughs> they either ran out of money. Well, they ran out of money or they damage some of the footage, and the, and then they realize they couldn't get the actors back, so they go oh. just fade and end it here. We've scared enough people. With they this. probably uh, yeah, or a crew member start walking in and they're like we have to fade super fast, <laughs> quick, quick fade out, you know, quick fade out. <laughs> the crew, yeah, the crew members in the back just peering throughout the corn. <laughs> That's another franchise, not as big as Coon, obviously, but did did they have to keep making? eight sequels 
the thing is people so what this is kind of obviously video store time where people would pick up whatever looked familiar at blockbuster and if if mm -hmm. such and such wasn't available uh dark man wasn't available you would pick up well i guess we could do children of the corn three urban <laughs> harvest you know like <laughs> yeah where they go to chicago yeah which i don't think they actually was shot in chicago i doubt it but There's... but yeah i do remember that I, I you know i actually rented that from from blockbuster with a friend they didn't have children of the corn and i think we rented that one so you're absolutely See? right is that applicable to uh, to uh i guess it is to um streaming you know you're looking for jurassic park and you see dino island and it's like well we this, this has dinosaurs <laughs> the thing is like with videos you that was your video for the next two days there was mm. no going back and saying, yeah, we watched 10 minutes of this and we decided we want to do watch something else. You're like, well, this is it. We have these two videos for the night. And you, what else are we supposed to do? See what's on live TV? You know? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, You're absolutely right, though. We forget how, for those of us that grew up in that era, we forget how uh, important that was to make the right choice because that was it. <laughs> it's either that or one of those Disney vault boxes that's sitting over there yeah you probably spent more time at the video store trying to pick out the right one about or, a half an hour at least or perusing to see what just came in if the hot rentals have been returned or not well, once in a while exactly or once in a while i would rent two if like i was lucky enough my parents were like yeah you can get two if it was like having a friend sleepover or something um and sometimes they were both duds it's like oh <laughs> i guess uh, I guess son-in-law with Pauly Shore wasn't as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> the so at least we got good. in the army now. Oh. oh. But it has paid off with some gems, you know, over mm -hmm. the years. So that you never know when you find that gamble that I still uh, pay attention to. I'm thinking of Twister, not the 96 movie, but a different Crispin Glover movie that... Wait, the one from 1990? Uh, is that the one with yeah Chris McGlover and uh, Susie Amos and Lois Childs we had, and Harry Dean Stanton? Yeah, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, maybe so it's not that, ninety though. Yeah, it, it could be around that time. So it was you know what that director had a movie at Sundance 89. a number of years ago, and uh, I knew he was going to be there, and I brought my Twister DVD for him to sign. Oh no way! Yeah, and uh, he, he he didn't. They weren't allowing him to meet people at at the screening, so I said okay. And then uh, I didn't have it with me. He he was sitting next to us, I think, at another screening, if I remember right, uh, of kind of the same type of movie. I think some something like that. But I was like, oh, this is the guy that directed one of my favorites. But did you get I, to what was what? Why was the security kind of tight at that thing? Sometimes they just get they. Uh, there, there's people like me that jump up, you know, as soon as the Q&A is right over, we jump up right away to get pictures and stuff like that. And and sometimes they kind of create a, a, like, nope, we don't have time for that. And they kind of, the volunteers kind of get in front of you and kind of shush, shush. Yeah, they don't want to be but, bothered. And sometimes they really do it. They do it to like D-list people. So like I get, I get Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's, they make sure he's covered and he's kind of not, not the guy from Friday the 13th part seven. Yeah. And sometimes, but, but usually at Sundance, these people are pretty uh, accessible and they're in the same movie theater as you. So they're trapped. Yeah. And they're, they <laughs> can't go anywhere to bump into them. So are you going to start um, or have you started going back to the theater live? 
Not yet. Uh, I'm waiting for Alamo to open because I refuse. I, I really want to see a Quiet Place mm. uh, Part Two, but I refuse to see it in a non-Alamo theater. Meaning, uh, I need a no talking, no texting, no arriving late theater. Yeah, I hear you. I we don't have those anymore. They all went out of business permanently mm. in L.A. Like ArcLight and all them. Yeah, Pacific. They're they just went out. COVID killed them. So I don't know when things open up in three weeks. They're open up now. You can go there yeah. now. But there's like AMC and stuff. I don't know what's going to happen to all these great theaters. Um, for LA, it's that's very sad that the movie theater industry shut down like its best theaters. I, I don't yeah. know what we're going to do. Somebody will do something. but I fear somebody would save that one in particular, but we'll see. They have enough money to kind of keep it going. Yeah, it'll, it, we'll see what happens. Um, a buddy of mine went to go see... Uh, a quiet place too tonight, but I think it was, you know, everything's still like limited. I don't know how yeah. they're enforcing it, but it's very paramount, no pun intended, uh, to have like the no texting and all that because without yeah. that, you're gonna have like a family of people like talking and screaming. <laughs> so I may I may have talked about this before because we <laughs> we we're a, definitely an Alamo. My family and friends. This is the only way we go see. And Widows was a movie that was not playing at Alamo. And for some reason, we're like, we need to see Widows. Uh, this looks like a good movie. And you know, Viola Davis and everybody. And then we're like, we're gonna go to. So we mistake number one is like we went to a regular theater. Mistake number oh, two, we peasants. went on a on a Tuesday, which I think is they have like five dollar Tuesdays, oh. which just meant it was like a free for all. No. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, we'll deal with it. And before we left the theater, I just I remember we were talking about um, scary movie uh, with the lady on her phone or whatever. And I'm like, I said, oh, if that happened, I was joking like that was going to happen. It did happen. <laughs> um, I just like one people were texting, no. and I don't care if the movie had started already or not, but uh, her phone went off. She answered, and she was actually giving the directions to people coming into the theater where she was sitting. And they, you're kidding. They, no, they brought their own. I remember he, they opened up their own alcohol and they oh. had glasses and were pouring it. And at this point, we just <laughs> you just gave up because we looked around and like, we're the only ones that seem to care. Everybody else is there to like just, have a party. Yeah, just treating it like their kind of living room. And I was like, and we so we, we did swear like never again. We learned you our can't. lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially I, I wouldn't... a quiet place. I mean, I remember seeing a quiet place in the theater and that movie is of course just made for silence and not that's the uh, point yeah so we're, i'm not, i will not see it I will, I will watch it on streaming before i will go see it in a non-alamo theater i agree I, I we don't have an alamo i wish we did because I, I would like do. to say I really think down, i think downtown la there's one that they were just opened or was just going oh, open. that's funny because i don't remember the alamo Oof. Oh. oh, dad. The the before we wrap up the um the thing that that always that was I appreciated going to you know like the arc light where mm-hmm. they have that kind of it it wasn't so much the people texting or talking um uh, L A those theaters they're more expensive so it, it's a lot of like movie snobs that really know not to do that yeah but it was people coming in late which people in L A are notorious for <laughs> so you'd be like twenty minutes in thirty minutes in it's like what why would you come in. <laughs> And then, and then they stopped doing that. Then they made it strict where you couldn't be late. Like if you missed it, because I showed up like five minutes late, and I was like, "It's the previews." They're like, "You have to be here at 7. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, I all right, I I, I can understand that." Um, 
And you know, we started going to these because uh, I think the last time Jen and I went to a theater was uh, like a regular theater like that was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it was a late show. It was like ten o'clock, and there was a baby crying in <laughs> in the movie about child rape and the killer. Yeah. At past ten o'clock, there was like a child with a stroller, and <laughs> Jen's like, "I'm gonna get her money back." And she did, and we got like free tickets, and yeah. uh, that was it. I was like, you know, it happens all the time. Somehow the movie experience went from you're there to watch a movie to let's hang out, let's yeah. bring some booze in, let's make it loud, and there's like no respect. That goes out the door. Absolutely. No. I've had so Al- many movies ruined by other people, and part of it is just me ruining it myself because then all of a sudden I'm sitting there stewing about the girls chatting and texting next to me and not paying attention to the movie. And so uh, now I just, I just hate the movie, you know, because I was like, I I get kind of so mad. So, and I've, I've said not so nice stuff to, to people as well, but I like me and (laughs) Robert, like when you saw that lady without the mask, you went gross. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I, I wish you were mean more. I mean, I don't, but I I, I think it's funny. It's scary. Uh, You're a scary man if you want to get mean. Yeah. But it, it's let, true, though. It ruins the experience. There's nothing else you can think of than the three girls being loud behind you yeah. when you're trying to watch, you know, when you're trying to watch Skyline, <laughs> <laughs> which happened That's, to me. I saw that in the movie theater, oh, and I was like, you? you know what? This movie, I, just talk anyway. It sucks. Yeah, there's certain movies that I just did. I remember Dragging Me to Hell. Which of Sam Raimi to be a Sam Raimi film, so it was kind of a wild, crazy movie. Anyway, yeah, it is crazy. And uh, but you know, I'm a horror movie. I'm like, oh, I want to go see this, and we saw it at a regular theater, and uh, it was it was actually crazy. I mean, people were like taking pictures of the screen and texting their friends, "What's going?" On. I was just, it was like weird, but you know, I'm That's like, weird. all right, this is it's an this experience for them, not me. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm not, I'm always at a there's always a point in to me. And then we can go. I know I'm getting deep in this, but where art stops and like like appreciation begins and wanting to replicate that stops. For example, yeah. like when I go to a museum, I'm not taking pictures of the paintings because I can just Google that. Yeah. I like to see them live. You know, like when I was in Paris, there were people taking pictures of the Mona Lisa. I'm like, this is the most reproduced photo ever. Yeah. Like, I think it's my background on my, my computer. Like, just be here and watch it. And I think that applies to movies. It's like, you paid like probably a good amount of money maybe maybe if it's like a five dollar movie whatever but you paid money to be here to watch this movie if you're going to want to talk and like just watch tv or do something else i I don't understand going there and wanting to like you know hang out and talk it's just that's not the place yeah yeah you're you're there for the experience and and it is fun there's people that won't go to alamo because they can't use their phones and talk good yeah i was like well it's not it's not made for you then Alamo, uh, how are they as far as like food and beverage? Is it like extra expensive because you're paying for that experience? Um, yeah, it's more than double what you usually uh, <laughs> you're paying for the movie. Yeah, of course, yeah. But uh, it is also kind of one of those kind of like, well, we, it, we we're, we're paying for that experience that we we so we look forward to like, oh, what are we gonna get? And and I remember my first time at Alamo, I think I ordered like everything. Like I was so sick, I because I like I want this and a milkshake and I'll just eat it. All, you know, like you're not. Did quite... you order a milkshake at the theater? Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. And um, but uh, 
but yeah, so I'm right. So I kind of learned my lesson. Then sometimes I'll be really. Sometimes it, I also feel like you have to order sometimes movie appropriate food because I remember I think we we're gonna see Purge, um, the first Purge or something like that. And I was yeah. like, I was high on my diet, diet, and I'm like, oh, I'll have the salmon salad, and you know, like I was like, I shouldn't be eating this for the Purge. You know, I should. No, you should be purging. Yeah, or something. But uh, or binging, I should say. You don't yeah. want to throw up in the Alamo. And then, um, and then, if I'm feeling piggish, I get um, a big thing of M and M's and eat it all. Oh, I love yeah. it! There is an Alamo in Los Angeles. It's downtown, and they're playing John Carpenter's "They Live" at seven thirty right now, right as we speak. And it was shot in downtown LA, so you could do a double location visit, and that would be fantastic. Which I would give a tour after or before. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're doing a they're doing a double header. They're doing a quiet. I'm sorry, two screens. Uh, quiet Place Part Two and John Carpenter's They Live. So I got to get to the Alamo. I've never been. I want to. Uh, I want to check it out. I wonder if anybody knows that it was just. They probably do. Or if if you're in the theater and you're thinking, oh, that's two blocks from where I'm sitting right now. I I think a lot of people, if they like that movie, they would probably know if they live in L.A. But most people probably wouldn't think that they would just know it's like a great film you yeah. know if they appreciated it but anyway uh this is going to be our show tonight uh thank you robert for coming on the program you've been listening to set jetter saturdays uh check out robert's work all of the magnificent majestic <laughs> skills that he he hones in on set jettercom did you have anything else you wanted to bring up robert no i'm just it'd be interesting as we begin to traverse the 90s i'm very excited to conquer this decade yes uh, one of the best in film and one of the worst. Well, I was going to say, we, we're going to have some highlights and some lowlights. Absolutely. And the lowlights are a little bit louder. <laughs> Tweet us at the underscore podcast. I'll listen to shows for all the free iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. Good night, everyone. Yesterday, it seemed the world was about to end.